Welcome back to another edition of the Making the Madness College Basketball Podcast. I have Sean back on for another edition of the podcast. Sean, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me again. Uh, another transfer-filled day with some news. So let's get into it, I guess. Yeah, we're recording here very quickly after uh, some recent news. But before we get into that news, let's start with some other news. And that is Nate Hinton. Uh, he's kind of the stretch four man, small ball four uh, for Houston. He's off to the NBA, kind of a surprising decision. I think with him, Houston kind of fit in perfectly uh, in terms of a basketball team, just having him be able to play kind of that small ball four position with maybe Fabian White at the uh, five. Uh, but he's off to the NBA. It'll kind of be interesting to see who starts at the four for that team. Uh, what do you make of this move? I mean, it, it's definitely a tough blow for Houston. I mean, I would argue he might might have been their most valuable player. I mean, they have a lot of solid scores with Quentin Grimes and Caleb Mills and Marcus Sasser. Dejon DeRose is a solid player, too. But when you have a 6'5 guard who can play really one through four and guard all those positions, get 10 points per game and eight rebounds, and he's likely not going to get drafted. And you see that last year with Armani Brooks, who didn't get drafted and playing in the G League. So Kelvin Sampson kind of had a rough way of it in, in that sense. And they down low, they just don't have much uh, depth, really. Fabian White's okay, Bryson Gresham's kind of... He's all right. I mean, Chris Harris Jr., they're all kind of there. So. Yeah, and I think the thing is, Nathan Hinton was kind of that perfect mixture because, you know, with Gresham, with White, you can kind of, I guess both them can play together, but they're not, I don't know if that's the most efficient lineup, especially offensively. Uh, and then if you do go either with Gresham and Fabian White down low, uh, you're still going with the three-guard look. Uh, I believe mm-hmm. it would be Grimes, Jarreau, uh, Caleb Mills, Marcus Sasser, uh, any of those yeah. four. I think the ideal lineup, though, has White at the four. He's kind of that physical guard that uh, I think made that team work perfectly. I still think Houston's a pretty good team going in ne- into next year, probably a top-20 team, uh, but it's... I think it hurts any chance they had at a national championship, and maybe they're still, you know, they'll probably still be the favorites in the American, uh, maybe SMU or Memphis or a team like that, but uh, for Houston, definitely a hit for them. Yeah, and uh, by the way, uh, Harris graduated. I mean, Justin Gorham, I had to double check that, but uh, I, I think. SMU is probably my favorite in the A-10, assuming uh, the guys who declare to come back. So that's Ferran Hunt, that's Isaiah Mike. If they're back, I think SMU should, in my opinion, not have them ahead of Houston for the time being. Yeah, I, I certainly like SMU going into next year. We never know what Memphis is going to do, so maybe we shouldn't count out Penny Hardaway because uh, he... He's in contention for another five-star big. We'll probably get into that in the next episode. But uh, you know, Memphis is going to be good. SMU, I think, is going to be a tournament team next year. And Houston certainly has been 
you know, consistently the premier program, I think, over the past two or three seasons in the a American. Uh, and, you know, this, this is a hit to the Cougars, but they shil- still should be good. Uh, probably the preseason favorites in the American. I know you like SMU. Memphis going to be good, but Houston uh, still, I think, a top 25 team. Yeah, they'll probably be the favorites, but we'll see how long that lasts. Yeah. yeah. Moving on, uh, going to get into some Texas Tech news. Uh, first, they lose Davide Moretti. He is going to play back overseas in Italy. Uh, not really a surprising move. Uh, we've seen, you know, with this kind of coronavirus pandemic, a lot of players are when they get closer to home. Uh, so for Moretti going back to play professional, I believe, in Italy, uh, if I'm remembering correctly, uh, not really a surprising move, but definitely not not a beneficial move to Texas Tech. Moretti's kind of that uh, shooter type that you really need. Uh, what do you make of this move? I, I think it's a pretty big hit also. I mean, that's a guy who played 31 minutes on the 2018-2019 National Championship team who lost to Virginia. He shot 45% that year, and this year he averaged 13 points and 38% from deep. He's a solid guard, and I think that senior leadership, that's something I always talk about. You see these teams who need good guards and senior leadership to take a team deep. They're not even just senior leadership, it's veteran leadership. Like you see with Virginia a couple of years ago, Kyle Guy and Ty Jerome were both juniors, and that helped them big time, so... If you if you can get better in leadership, that's important. And now it's just a tough tough blow for the Red Raiders. Yeah, and Texas Tech certainly, I think, still a program that uh, is definitely doing well. I, I'm sure any Texas Tech fan would, uh, if you asked them five years ago, going into the 2020 2021 season, this is they're a top 25 level team. Uh, they would take that in a hurry, but I I do think that this is a major hit to Texas Tech. No, I think the main reason for it is just the shooting. I I like Namari Burnett. I think he can run the point uh, for them. Uh, they'll they'll add a couple more pieces, including uh, Mac McClung. Spoiler alert: We'll get into that. But I think Moretti was just kind of that piece who could run off ball screens, uh, shoot the three at a really high level. I think that, you know, this team, having a guy that can just go out and knock down shots like Moretti uh, is hard to replace. And uh, we'll see if they, you know, they could add a grad transfer somewhere down the line. Uh, but going into next year, I really don't trust, you know, anyone to be like a premier shot maker the way Davide Moretti has been over the past few seasons for Texas Tech. Yeah, definitely not. I mean... We could see if, how good of a shooter Burnett's going to be, but the high school, the college level, the big jump, and I, I think that Burnett might have trouble at least at the start trying to fill in those variety shoes. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, certainly. Uh, staying in Texas Tech, staying in Lubbock, Mac McClung. Uh, just before we got on recording the uh, podcast, he has chosen Texas Tech. He's a uh, sit one, play two, transfer uh, could be, I guess, 
you know, there's rumors of him getting a waiver. I don't think that's... I don't see why he would get one, but we know with the NCAA, it's just, you know, you pull a name out of the hat and that that's who gets a waiver. If your, your uh, ticket that got pulled out of a name out of the hat says waiver, you get a waiver. So you never know, but he's scheduled to sit one, play two. Uh, what do you make of this addition, assuming he is uh, going to sit a year? Yeah, I'm I'm gonna go under that assumption because he, I don't think he has any case for waiver. So yeah, let's go with that. And I think I think he's a solid player. Like I put in uh, the article that went up right after he committed that I wrote. I think he's a fine player, but I just the efficiency worries me. He he struck the ball up way too often. And at Georgetown, where they lost like half of their team this season with the Ken Joe Joshua Block. Galen Alexander, Myron Gardner, they lost like five guys in the span of a week. So they kind of just needed to throw shots up at some point, and he made somebody shot 39% from the field. And he's not a good defender, and at least doesn't show effort on the defensive end. And with Chris Beard, a guy who's a tough host, he's not going to let that no defense thing fly. He's not going to let him chuck shots up. So I think from a discipline standpoint, it's a really good move from the punk. So... We'll see how that goes, but I think Jamarius Burton, who they added about a month ago, maybe, from Wichita State, I think he's a better overall player and will have more of an impact for Texas Tech long-term. Yeah, I think McClung, the thing with him is he, you know, way he was playing at Georgetown, kind of got a little bit comfortable being kind of the go-to guy, was taking shots that maybe... You know, I I don't think McClung's going to necessarily get the same leeway he got at Georgetown. So I I think he'll efficiency. You know, the question marks surrounding that. I think he'll be a little bit better at you know shooting the ball. I think it, giving him a year to a year off, assuming he does get a year off, to kind of you know practice shooting. You know, practice playing in the uh, kind of defense that Texas Tech runs. I think that's really going to be good for him uh, and when he does actually get on the court, I think he'll be assuming he kind of buys into the system, which, you know, I think he, if you go to Texas tech, you know what you're going to get. You're going to get a, you know, with Chris Beard, he's, he's a likable coach, but he's also tough. I think most players know he's a little bit tough as a coach and they buy into that system. And if McClung can buy in and, you know, be the, you know, productive player that, I think he can be. He can certainly be a potential uh, NBA draft pick uh, in the, after the year he plays at Texas Tech. Yeah, definitely. I just think he. I wouldn't even apply for a waiver five with him. I mean, you never know with NCAA, right? I mean, it just it's like a guessing game. So that's the way the NCAA usually runs things. Next bit of news here. Uh, Indiana has uh, gotten a reclassification from uh, five-star recruit in the 2021 class, Christian Lander. He's heading to the uh, uh, 2020 class, this year's class, to play at Indiana. What does this kind of mean for the Hoosiers? I think it's a huge get. I mean, they're losing Devontae Green, who graduated. He was a really streaky shooter, but he was a steady presence at the guard spot. But Christian Lander is so talented that I think he can pass, he can score, he can kind of do it all. 
and along with Frank Jackson Davis, who could be a potential All-American. And then you got kind of glue guys around him with Race Thompson. You got some shooters with Al Durham and Armand Franklin, Rob Finnessy. You kind of just have Joey Brunk down low also as a huge, tall person who can get rebounds. I mean, if Archie Miller can't make the tournament this year with this team, I think his time in Indiana is probably done. So I think they'll have a pretty good season, though. Oh, yeah. I, I'm I'm buying all into Indiana. I don't know if Lander will necessarily be a superstar type, you know, caliber player. I think he'll come in, uh, kind of be more like a, you know, 13 points, four assists a game type guy, uh, more so than like a superstar. But they have Trace Jackson Davis coming back. Uh, I think he's, you know, you've mentioned All-American. I think he's probably, you know, going into next year, maybe a top 15, 20 player in the sport. Uh, He's definitely... You know, having Jackson Davis back is going to be, you know, a major factor. And then they just have guys that kind of know their role, buy into their role. Race Thompson, Al Durham, uh, Armand Franklin, uh, Joey Joey Brunk the Trunk. Uh, that's my nickname for him. Uh, they just have a lot of, you know, really good pieces. They lose Justin Smith to the transfer portal, uh, but I still think Indiana is going to be really good. Yeah, definitely. I, I've seen, and we'll get more into Justin Smith in a minute, but I've seen a lot of Indiana fans kind of trashing on Justin Smith. And the reason, he just wasn't playing the right position for Indiana. Like, it's not his fault that it didn't really work out as well as, he, he's going to be really good elsewhere. I'll just say that. Yeah, I think with Smith, he, you, you mentioned being out of position. You know, he was playing a lot of last season at the, three when you know natural i think you know naturally he was kind of a small ball four i think whatever team he goes to he should play as a small ball four uh but i guess losing smith uh well it's probably not necessarily addition i think it could you know tell archie miller that you're you're not going to be able to play you know a forward at the three spot anymore and he'll probably go i think Al Durham will start at the three and then just go with uh, Rob Fennessy and Christian Lander. I think that's probably an ideal lineup for uh, this Indiana team. Yeah, I think Durham will start, but by the end of the season, I wouldn't be surprised if Ray Thompson started because he can kind of do it all. Good defender. He can score if needed. I like Ray Thompson a lot. So. Yeah, I, I could see Thompson starting at the beginning of the season at the five spot. Uh, alongside Trace Jackson Davis. Yeah, definitely possible. Yeah. Moving on, Justin Smith is going to the transfer portal. Uh, what do you make of this kind of decision? I think it's a great decision for Justin Smith. I mean, he. I think he knows deep down that he is as a player, and it's not as a small forward wing guy who's going to shoot 26% from three like he did last season. He's just more of a guy who can get rebounds, play on the block a little bit. Uh, four who did play some small ball five. He's six foot seven, so all that's possible. I just think Indiana misutilizes talent, and I think schools like DePaul, Illinois, and Arizona State are probably my three. I think he should go to right now. I'm leaning towards DePaul, but the other two I think would be great fits also. Yeah, and he's a graduate transfer. We don't really, you know, 
I believe there's a ton of schools that could be after him. Uh, you, you could go to, let's say, Kentucky, and let's say Olivier Sard doesn't start. He could be the small ball five there, I guess. Uh, I wouldn't recommend that, but I, I think he's a you know good, solid piece. He's just, I think, a little bit utilized in the wrong role uh, at Indiana. Uh, he's, he's a terrific defender. Uh, Indiana will certainly be missing out on that, but... You know, as offensive player, maybe not a superstar, but someone you definitely want on your team and playing minutes. Uh, he'll be a big get wherever he goes. Yeah, he's a guy that you just want to put in a role to be a defender down low. He can probably guard two through five, really. I mean, as a small ball five, maybe it'd be trouble, but we'd have to see. But as a defender, that kind of defensive talent, it could be utilized anywhere. So. Yeah. Moving on, LJ Figueroa, uh, he's heading to the transfer portal. Uh, kind of an interesting decision. I do kind of get it a, a little bit because uh, he's kind of along a different timeline to the St. John's team. Uh, what do you make of this transfer? I think part of the reason he's transferring is that he just doesn't really fit Mike Anderson's style. The I want to press constantly. That's the style that Mike Anderson came up in when he was an assistant coach at Arkansas back in the day. And I don't I just don't think LJ Figueroa ever really bought into that. So I think this I'm shocked it came this late, but I think the writing is kinda on the wall. But there's a ton of schools already interested in him. Jeff Borzello of ESPN is that he's heard from Memphis, Texas Tech, Arkansas State in Ohio State, Oregon, Georgia Tech, Stanford, UCLA and Auburn as of now. So he'll have his choice of a lot of schools. But the school that's going to take him is going to be taking a risk, in a sense, because he's going to have to get a waiver to be immediately eligible. Yeah, certainly uh, being immediately eligible would be uh, big for him. Uh, I think he's kind of a kind of a small ball, ball four type, uh, good scorer. Uh, certainly will make an impact at whatever school uh, he goes to. But, you know, for St. John's, I think he's on a different timeline there kind of rebuilding starting a little bit young uh and you know just adding just having him in the rotation uh while he makes the team i think better for next season i think going forward uh uh, it's having lj figueroa in the lineup is going to be definitely big uh or not in the lineup i think st john's going to you know rebuild a little bit and be a team, I think, come 2021-2022 could be an NCAA tournament team. Uh, and then breaking news, Johnny Juzang just got a uh, transfer waiver uh, while he was talking. So, uh, good addition for UCLA. Definitely huge news. Not only just for UCLA, but the thing with I put in my uh, piece about players who could get waivers, I think I did 20 or 10, somewhere around there, but I I had Johnny Husing in there because he's from California and he's going closer to home, and then you see guys like Eric Stevenson who went closer to home, Holland Wood who went from Portland State to Arizona State and Trump Phoenix, you see a lot of these guys going closer to home after everything going on in the world, and with Johnny Husing receiving a waiver, I think that kind of sets a good a good thing for players who transfer closer to home, that they might get an immediate eligibility waiver next season. 
Yeah, I think for UCLA, uh, just looking quickly ahead to next season, this is a kind of a big get. It's also insurance for a borderline draft decision. And Chris Smith, while I think Smith is likely to return to UCLA next season, that's no guarantee. Uh, but even if Chris Smith does return, you can kind of play Juzang as a you know three or a four. He's kind of big enough size-wise to play at the four, but also uh, is you know a a natural guard. I think can play at the three as well. I think this is a really good fit for UCLA, and they'll be you know looking ahead to next year one of the teams that could potentially I guess. You know, be in contention for the Pac-12 title. Absolutely, I I think I have him at third right now with Juzang, that assuming he got a waiver, and with Christmas Christmas coming back. We look at their starting five with Tiger Campbell, Johnny Juzang, Chris Smith, Cody Riley, and Jalen Hill. That's a really good starting five. Yeah, and Jake Kaiman and Jaime Hawkes. Uh, it it depending on the matchup, those two are really good, exciting players as well. I. You, this is a big get for UCLA, who was uh, kind of dampered by some news earlier this offseason uh, with Deshaun Nix heading to the G League. Uh, but they get Johnny Juzang, so maybe just as good, maybe not just as good, but nonetheless a really impactful transfer. Absolutely. Moving on, Michigan has landed Nogel Eastern and Shondi Brown. Uh, Nogel Eastern uh, is going to Michigan, or at least he says he is. We're, I, I think it's going to happen, but it's not a 100% guarantee, I guess. Uh, as for Shawnee Brown, uh, this is a kind of, uh, he, he's a sit one play, both are play, sit one play ones, but uh, Brown is, I think, a little bit better offensively, uh, should make a nice impact. Uh, what do you make of Michigan landing these two transfers? I'll start with Nogel Eastern, and I'm going to kind of keep this one short and sweet almost because Nogel Eastern, like, I'm not sure he ever plays a game for Michigan. I'm not really sure what's happening with him, but it's just one of the weirdest situations I've seen in a long time. He enters the portal from Purdue. Two days later, he commits to Michigan, puts it on Twitter, Instagram, everything, but nothing from his uh, family, nothing from the Michigan staff or anything talking about him. So he hasn't officially signed. And having to sit one play one while having his name in the NBA draft, I feel like this is almost like a Rajon Fuster situation from last season where he transferred from Little Rock to Memphis and stayed in the draft and never played a game for Memphis. So I think that's kind of what we're looking at here. Yeah, we don't really know what's going on for Eastern. He's an interesting, you know, a uh, fascinating player as is uh mostly just because defensively he's one of the you know i'd say top-notch defenders in college basketball you throw him out i'd say he's probably a top 10 defender in the sport but just offensively he can handle the ball but that's about it uh he's yeah not a really good score uh you know can pass the ball i guess not known as a passer but can pass the ball but uh he he's you know an enigma as a player and kind of i'd say the be- best comparison to uh 
him as a completely knockoff Ben Simmons. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, he's like a uh, goodwill Ben Simmons almost. Yeah. But back to Sean, back to Sean D. Brown, I think that's a really incredible get. He, I think he's a great player. I had him as my number one transfer, I believe, over Mac McClung. And now both are committed, obviously. But I think that Shawnee Brown is a really good player. He's a big-bodied guard who can get to the hoop. Not an amazing shooter, decent enough defender, but I think he'll, I think he has a good chance to get an immediate eligibility waiver. But he did, this is one thing to take into account. He entered the portal 10 days before Danny Manning got fired from Wake Forest. So I think that hurts him in a sense. I think he could still get a waiver, but I think he has a tougher time to get with an Olivier Sar. Yeah, certainly. I think Sar, if you say only one or of Shondi Brown or uh, Sar gets a waiver, I'd say it's definitely Sar. Uh, but you just never know with the NCAA. I think he's, as a sit one play one, I think he's a good option for Michigan because, you know, I think next year with Mike Smith. Uh, Eli Brooks and the, you know, both those players being seniors, I think both those players were kind of, you know, good play as is, you know, for Michigan being the uh, one and two guards for that team going into next season. I think Brownwood just made it a little bit of a, you know, over overloaded, you know, front court. But, you know, I don't know. If, I think Brown's probably going to sit out a year. We don't know what's going on with No Gel Eastern. Uh, but if they get Brown, they get No Gel Eastern going into next season. Uh, that's going to be you know, a boost to the backcourt. And kind of an interesting you know, thing going on with that is uh, you know, both those being sit one, play ones, you kind of get a couple guys that you, know, you get to play, you know, build in with the program. That That's at least a little bit beneficial to... Uh, the transfers once they do get finally eligible. Oh, definitely. And no Hill Eastern in practice, if he ever does end up actually going to Michigan, him guarding a lot of those guys in practice is going to be huge for the development of some of these younger guys like Zeb Jackson. Yeah, Jace Howard and, and company. Moving on, uh, Arizona State transfer Romello White is heading to Ole Miss. I guess a nice addition for uh, the Rebels. They could potentially be an NCAA tournament team. Uh, not, you know, certain about that them being one. They're kind of in a SEC that I don't think is all that talented. So they could, you know, potentially, you know, surprise some people. Be one of the top teams in the SEC. Uh, he's going along with Devontae Shuler, KJ Buffin, Blake Henson. Uh, it looks like he'll take over Kadeem's size spot at the starting uh, center position. What do you make of this move? I like it for Ole Miss. I think a presence like that down low, who's a steady guy, I think average a double-double the past two seasons at Arizona State is going to be huge because Kadeem C is he's a fine player, but he's not, he, he didn't really get the job done the way they wanted to. And that team was interesting last season. But they are losing Brian Tyree. So I think unless Devontae Schuler can step into that role and average 18, 19 like Brian Tyree did last year, I they I don't know if they're a tournament team, but they also added Ryder transfer to Mencio Vaughn, 
about a month ago. So we'll see. I think they're a bubble team, but with a high upset. Yeah, Ole Miss is kind of a team. The SEC as a whole has a bunch of teams that you can, you can kind of convince me or, you know, tournament-level teams. You can also, you know, can, you know talk them into being, you know, a bottom-of-the-SEC-level team. Uh, it just will kind of depend upon uh, if Schuler can step up, uh, Vaughn's impact, uh, and Romello White. Can he kind of, you know, at Arizona State, he really wanted a bigger role. Uh, goes to Ole Miss. We'll see what type of role. Can he be a superstar next year for the Rebels? If so, I think this is a nice addition for Ole Miss and one that, you know, at the very least could get them competing for the NCAA tournament, which they weren't really at all this year. Definitely, yeah. It should be a much better season for Kermit Davis and company. Certainly. Uh, Moving on to Memphis, DeAndre Williams is heading there. Uh, He picked Memphis. I think Kentucky was rumored to be the choice, but he eventually goes to Memphis. Going to be a nice addition for the Tigers. Uh, he's certainly you know, a good player, showed off in that Evansville game against Kentucky, and then when he went down, uh, that's when Evansville really just took a uh, turn for the worse. When he went down, Walter McCarty uh, went to, uh, was fi- fired midseason. That Ev- Evansville team just kind of collapsed. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Evansville didn't win a single conference game. It was a total disaster for them. Everything with Walter McCarty that happened. But DeAndre Williams is a great player. He still has his name listed in the NBA draft, but let's see what happens there. I think ultimately he does go to Memphis, though. And he's a fit one play one as of right now. But I think he has a really, really fair case for a waiver, considering that his coach got fired. And I think Williams could get a waiver for that, definitely. But I, I think certainly a waiver is in order for him. Uh, we'll see if he does get it. But Memphis is certainly a team that, as we mentioned kind of nor- near the start of the uh, podcast, could be really interesting heading into next season. Absolutely. Moving on, Bo Hodges is heading to Butler. Uh, this is a He's a sit one, play one, certainly has a good chance at a waiver, I guess, uh, a waiver candidate. Uh, nice addition for Butler. Uh, he's not really a superstar in any uh, regards, but uh, looking at him, he certainly is a player that you know can score the ball. Uh, not a superstar shooter, but can shoot it. Uh, just kind of fills a role for Butler, which they kind of need because uh, next year they will they won't have Aaron Thompson uh, next season. If they do, he can kind of play you know, alongside Aaron Thompson, I guess, this year. Yeah, for sure. I think, I mean, he's another one that could be 50-50 on getting a waiver. Steve Fultz leaving the way for it. But if he does get a waiver, him alongside Aaron Thompson, that's a pretty good duo right there. And then Bryce Golden and Bryce Enzi down low. And Christian David at the three more than likely. That's a pretty good, pretty good uh, starting five. And even if you want to go smaller... You could put South Carolina transfer Jair Bolden at the one or two, move Thompson to the one or two also, put one of flip them around, and then put Hodges at three. That's a small lineup, but it could work. Yeah, that that's certainly a good lineup. Uh, we'll see. 
we'll see if he does get a waiver this year. Uh, it's again with these waivers, it's NCAA just draws a name out of a hat and says you get a waiver or you do not get a waiver. Uh, so we'll see if he does get a waiver. Certainly has a good case for it, but you just never know with these. Moving on, Elijah Weaver is heading to Dayton. Uh, he's going to sit a year and then play uh, the following year for Dayton. Uh, it kind of goes along the timeline. They're losing Jalen Crutcher this year, so he should step in and be uh, kind of a, you know, do it all guard for Dayton uh, the following season. What do you make of this transfer? I like it for Dayton a lot. I mean, after the season, they're going to lose Crusher and E.B. Watson, who are both seniors, and they'll need someone to step into those guard roles. And Elijah Weaver is a guy who's a former top 50 recruit and just didn't really flourish for you. I see the way he probably thought he would. And he, and he figured it's one thing when you're a guy who's a top 50 recruit like him. you got to almost swallow your pride and be like, you know what, it hasn't looked out for me here. I'm going to drop myself down a level, and that could be a tough thing to do for some guys. But Weaver's doing it, and he seems like he's in a good state right now. Yeah, I think with Dayton, another thing, too, is, yeah, he's dropping down a level, probably going to play against less competition. He's he's probably going to play in front of more fans, uh, which is something interesting. It's kind of a, you know, with Dayton, we, we knew – after this, you know, unbelievable successful season that they had, they were going to, you know, start bu- building this into, uh, you know, start getting more recruits, starting getting more players, uh, and Elijah Weaver just kind of a, you know, product of what happens when a team wins, uh, to say. Yeah, definitely. I think. I think Dayton, we need to see what they do after this season. I think they could still be a tournament team this season. But who knows, if they have another good season, Anthony Brandt could go somewhere. I mean, there's a lot. I think Weaver will be great for Dayton. But I want to see what they can put around him and if Anthony Grant sticks around long term. Yeah, with Grant, I think he'll probably, you know, I think he's probably going to hold out a little bit for uh, a higher major job. I don't think he's like a Will Way going to jump at the first job he sees. Maybe he's waiting for like a Texas or someone like that uh, to open up. Uh, but we'll see. We'll certainly see with that. Uh, he's, you know, Anthony Grant certainly did a really good job with Dayton this year. Uh, and we'll see what he can kind of do uh, not only next year, but in the future with uh, Elijah Weaver in the mix. Absolutely. Uh, one more, uh, Jalen Coleman lands. Uh, he's heading to Iowa State. Sounds like just a situation. Didn't like uh, the role he was playing in at DePaul. Uh, wanted a bigger role. Wanted to be more in with the offense. He'll get that at Iowa State as they are not very good next season. Uh, Razier Bolton, Trey Jackson, I guess, are somewhat decent pieces. It's just... Iowa State's kind of a roster that doesn't make a ton of sense. There's no real wings. Just a lot of guards and a lot of bigs. Yeah, Iowa State is a pretty terrible team at the moment, but I would rather play for Steve Brown than Dave Lato because uh, Dave Lato is just not a good coach, and he somehow got an extension. So I would have probably left too. And But Coleman Lance, he's in a six-year eligibility after starting at Illinois. Transferring got hurt, 
in 2018, 2019, got a waiver for that. He's a guy who's known as a good shooter, but his percentages in his career are not very good besides his freshman season. So we'll see what happens. I mean, he's a fine player, but I would say he's going to win like 10 games probably. So. Yeah, and maybe he does shoot a little bit better for Iowa State this season. Uh, one thing I think with DePaul is he kind of, you know, was the labeled as the only real, you know, candidate to shoot from three for DePaul. So I think he's getting a little bit more attention from defenses than he might have been uh, had he been on a actual good team. Uh, but had he been on an actual good team, he'd probably also not be playing that many minutes. So it goes both ways. Uh, but he goes to Iowa State, and we move on to the next topic, uh, which is going to be uh, going to look at the Big Ten, do like some superlatives, kind of like a league favorite, couple contenders, a dark horse teams, other under the radar team. Who do you like from the Big Ten to win it this year? See, this is a tough one. If we're going on the assumption that Xavier Tillman's gone, I will go with Iowa, assuming Luke Garz is back, of course. I like what Iowa has. Jordan Bohan is healthy. Joe Camp, Luca Garza, Jack Nungy, who I think can play a really big role this season. That's a pretty good team right there. And then you look at another team like Michigan State, who I also have the right neck and neck for me. Michigan State is number two overall for me in the country if they just film in Zach and Josh Langford gets a waiver to come back. I think that Michigan State's a really good team also, but I just think having Luka Garza sets Iowa above them by a little bit. Yeah, I'm going a different route. I'm going with the team that won the Big Ten this past season and is kind of flying under the radar. That is the Wisconsin Badgers. Uh, return mostly everyone. Uh, I think with Garza, he kind of, you know, with Garza projected to come back, I think a lot of people will look at Iowa. Uh, but Wisconsin was a really good team. They finished the season strong, uh, really kind of banded together. And you got Micah Potter another year to kind of develop. Uh, they'll, and one thing I think they'll be especially good early in the season because a team, you know, like Wisconsin that's just returning everyone has that team comp continuity is going to be playing really well especially early in the season I think Wisconsin's in for a really good non-conference uh, schedule we'll see how the Big Ten treats them but I have them as my current Big Ten favorites yeah I like Wisconsin I mean they're a very veteran team with Demetri Trice, Brad Davison Nate Reavers, Micah Potter, Aline Ford. I mean, that's a really good starting five. Yeah, certainly. Who's a, you know, kind of top, some of your top contenders? I know you touched on Michigan State. Uh, who are a couple other contenders for you? Um, Michigan State, Iowa, Wisconsin, those are three really good teams. Then I, I, can, I like Indiana, too. I mean, I think they could be right up there with all three of them. So I'll go with them and... Illinois, if I ever assume he comes back, I'm not sold that he is coming back, but it's starting to seem like things could be trending that way, so we'll see. Yeah, with Illinois, if Io Desumnu comes back, uh, that's a really good team. You'll have him, uh, you'll have Trent Frazier, Kofi Coburn if he comes back, uh, Georgie Bashanasvili. That's a that's a lineup that can win the Big Ten title next season, so... 
I don't think Io Dasumnu is going to come back, but if he does, that's certainly really big, and I would throw Illinois into that contender or you know challenger type role. Uh, for me, a team that I think you know can also contend for the title. You mentioned Iowa earlier. Ohio State, I think, is going to be really good next season. I don't know if they'll be you know contending for the title, uh, but that's a team that's really solid. Seth Towns, Kyle Young, uh, Justin Suing up front. Uh, they just and then they have a solid you know backcourt with C.J. Walker and Dwayne Washington. I think that's a really good team. Probably not a contender, but maybe like a dark horse team in the Big Ten. Yeah, I have them as a dark horse team too. That was the next top, and that's what I have them right there. They're my dark horse. I like them in the Big Ten. I think that Chris Holtman's a really good coach. I like C.J. Walker. I like Wayne Washington, a knockdown shooter. Justice Sewing is really good at Cal. Seth Pounds, former Ivy League player of the year. And then Kyle Young, who's just a blue guy. I got it every team. Yeah, certainly Ohio State's a really good team going in next year. My official dark horse pick, uh, it's going to be Rutgers. I think they'll be really good next year. Uh, they add Cliff Amore uh, to help the front court. Uh, they return Geo Baker, Ron Harper Jr., uh, Caleb McConnell, Jacob Young. I think this is a really solid team that should be uh, in position to make the NCAA tournament uh, for the first time since the 90s after they should have made it last season. Yeah, definitely. I think that Rutgers is in for another good season. I, I have Ohio State as my dark horse, so, but I think any of these teams that end up winning this conference, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Yeah, with the Big Ten, I think if you you can go like Wisconsin, Rutgers, Ohio State, Michigan State, uh, Illinois, Iowa, Indiana, even maybe Michigan, I think you could see a position where this league's getting seven, eight, nine bids again this season. It wouldn't surprise anyone. Definitely, I think they're going to be the best conference once again. Okay, last one for the Big Ten. Who's kind of the under-the-radar team no one's talking about uh, that can surprise some people? This is an interesting one. And I'll say I'll go with Nebraska, I guess, because nobody talks about them. But, I mean, Fred Hoiberg is a really good coach. And they do lose Cam Mack, who was a solid player for them last year. They lose Hanif Cheatham, who came in last year. But they've also added some guys, like Teddy Allen, who started at Wichita State and went to West Virginia and never played there. And they had some other JUCO guys, some transfers here and there. They'll probably add a couple more guys. Yvonne Ogurogo, who's a pretty good player. He's 6'8", six, six, like 260. Pretty big presence down low. I think they could be a decent enough team. They could win like 14 games, 15 games, maybe playing like the CBI or the CIT. I don't, I doubt they're a bubble team in any way, but nobody talked about them, so I'll put them there. Yeah, I think Nebraska will be in for an improved season. Still don't know if they get out of the bottom of the Big Ten, but I think they'll be a better team. I think they'll win more games uh, than they did a season ago. Uh, and 
you know, it's hard to get much worse than last season was for Nebraska, so that's certainly a good choice. Uh, for me, my team is Minnesota, and that is assuming uh, Booth Gotch gets the transfer because uh, if Booth Gotch is not playing, Minnesota could be in for a rough one. Uh, they lose Daniel Turu, but Marcus Carr, I think, is a really good player, really, you know, Sometimes good score, really, you know, high assist, you know, player. I think he's a good player. Yet, if you add Booth Gotch, uh, he will fit in well with Gabe Kalsher on the wing. I think that's a good one through four with uh, Eric Curry. We'll see if uh, he plays. He's scheduled to play. Uh, I think Minnesota's going to be a good team. I don't know if they're a tournament team, but I think a kind of under the radar team that, you know, could I think be a little bit better than what people are anticipating? Yeah, I agree. I think they could be like a 16, 17 win team. Could be good enough to get in the bottom of the NIT as an at large team there. I don't think they're a bubble team, kind of like Nebraska. They're probably a little better than Nebraska, but nobody's really talking about them, especially if losing Daniel Tudor. Certainly. Uh, the next topic going to go into, uh, I guess to close out the show, going to go into some borderline draft decisions. Should they stay? Should they go? Uh, we did this, I think, uh, about a month ago or something like that. But going to get into this discussion again with, uh, I guess, new details and uh, new evaluations, I guess. So I'm going to start out at the top. Tyrell Terry, uh, what do you think he does? I think Tyrell Carey's probably gone. I, but the thing that with him, I've seen NBA, anonymous NBA scouts who talked with Jeff Goodman and some other people say that he's anywhere from like 20 to late 50s, like nearly undrafted. So it depends what certain teams are telling him. But I put him in the same kind of range as last season you saw with Lugan Dort from Arizona State. You saw with Bull Bull from Oregon, even though he was injured. But these guys get much higher valuation, and then they just fall in the draft. I mean, Tyrell Perry is a solid player, but he has some knocks. He's not overly athletic. He's like 6'1", 160. I don't know if that plays in the NBA as a starter. So I think another year of bulking up would help him a lot. Yeah, I think either way, he'll, he'll be in position to get, I think, stronger, better. I think a thing I've heard from uh, NBA scouts, they really like his talent, but it's just... You know, getting to that, you know, 200, you know, pound mark, uh, getting a little bit bigger as a player. I think it, NBA teams, though, certainly, you know, think it, if he goes back to college or if he stays in the NBA draft, they think they can get a steal of a prospect in two or three years. So I, I think he stays in the NBA draft, uh, but certainly uh, Tyrell Terry will be an interesting draft decision. Uh, could make Stanford maybe the favorite in the Pac-12 if he goes back, but I think he's leaning, or at least the, you know, overwhelming consistent consensus is that he's probably leaning towards uh, staying in the NBA. Yeah, they're my favorite. Definitely, if he comes back. I mean, you look at him alongside Oscar Silva, Dyer Williams, then you have Lucas Kisunis or Jaden Delaire who could run the five. And you have Bryce Wills and Dejon Davis. I mean, that could be a really good team. And they'll be good anyways, but they'll be around where they were last season, I think. 
But if Tyro Perry comes back, that's a, I would have him in the top ten in preseason polls. Yeah, certainly a big difference maker. Terry is, as is Ayo Desumnu. Uh, we kind of touched on him earlier. Uh, he threw uh, Illinois as the uh, uh, dark horse team or league contender, one of those. Uh, I forget what, which is which one you did, but uh, he's certainly a decision I think is monstrous. Uh, I don't think he's going to come back, but if he does, he's kind of a player can kind of carry the Illinois team. Uh, we'll see if he does come back. Uh, this draft stock really didn't go up a whole lot from this past season, uh, so maybe he comes back uh, just to improve that a little bit. And he's also someone that really likes uh, playing for Illinois, wanted to be there to get them back to the NCAA tournament. So if he comes back to Illinois, that will be a big decision. What do you think he does? See, I originally this whole time, and on my story I wrote about it, I had him gone. But at this point, he's saying he's doing a lot of interesting things. I don't know if he's trying to, like, pull a Josh Fritzler and kind of build his brand as a person, but, like, you see things on Twitter. Like, he, had, he randomly the other day put hashtag unfinished business in his bio and then took it out, like, the next day. So it's kind of one of those things. It, it, he's kind of just playing a game right now, I feel like, and he's trying to mess with people's heads and make them think one thing, and then he's going to go another way. So I think, ultimately, I think he does come back, honestly. I've heard some things saying that he may be leaning towards it since he might not be a lock for the first round. And the only reason he's not a lock for the first round is because he shot 29% from three last year. Now, I mean, if he can improve then, put it right near the 35 he had two seasons ago, he could be a water fit. I mean, he's a really good player. Yeah, I think one thing to note with some of these draft decisions, a lot of players, you know, I don't know if they'll get – you know, much better chance to be drafted. I think if you're a first rounder this year, you may as well, you know, pack your bags and head to the NBA draft. Much like Xavier Tillman, who uh, I think is probably a projected first rounder. I think he, he, this is an interesting decision. I think he's, you know, seriously considering staying at Michigan State, but I think he should probably be packing his bags and heading to the NBA. Yeah, it sounds like he's really torn on the situation from what I've read. And I don't really get it if I'm him. Like, in his best interest, if I were him, I would be gone. Because he's 21 years old with two children and he's married. And you're not making money, well, at least not supposed to be making money at Michigan State. I don't know what they really do. I mean, who knows? But I think if he has a chance to make millions, be a first-round pick, maybe support your family with two kids, I would probably leave. I don't really see a reason he would come back. Yeah, certainly. I, I think Tillman should be gone. Uh, we'll see if he does leave, but it the NBA would be getting a really good defender, a good on-ball defender. Yes, he's a little undersized, which is a concern, but he's a high-character guy. really think he's a first-round pick uh, at the next level, and uh, I think he's he might come back to Michigan State, but I think he, you know, realistically speaking, could go to the NBA and, you know, be a star or a good player uh, right away. One more, uh, or going into the next one, Jared Butler from Baylor. 
Uh, he's kind of uh, another fringe prospect. Uh, projected second round pick could come back and uh, make a really big impact. Uh, what do you think he does? I think Jared Butler comes back. I think he had a really good, he had a solid freshman season with a really good sophomore season. And I think if he takes another step, I think he could be a first-round pick in a year. I don't see that avenue for him right now. But he could come back to a team that it could be a top-three preseason team if he and Macy O.T. both return. I've seen some people have him won, but Gonzaga is one of the best teams I've seen on paper in a long time, assuming everybody comes back, and we'll get into that more in a minute. But I think Baylor could be number two in the country. I think they're probably the best Big 12 team, I'm like, definitely. So we'll have to see what happens there. Yeah. I think he's back ultimately. I, I think he comes back as well. Uh, we'll be certainly interesting to see what he does ultimately decide. But him coming back, I think, sets up Baylor to be a top three team preseason. Uh, I think there's a clear, I think, top three going to next season. It's Baylor, Villanova, uh, and Gonzaga, assuming you know, the, the uh, people that are projected to stay in the NBA draft and go to the state, stay in college, uh, stay in college. But I think it, this is a big decision uh, for college basketball next year. I think he ultimately, though, uh, is someone that will come back to college. And that sets Baylor up to have another really good season. Uh, they finished, they would have been a one seed this season. Uh, Maybe they end up being a one seed next season, and maybe they cap it off with a Big 12 championship. Yeah, definitely. I love Baylor, Teague, and Butler with that. Yeah, certainly. And if uh, they can get you know, some production, I think Mark Vidal is going to be uh, big. Uh, but certainly I think this is a Baylor team that's going to be really good next season. Moving on, uh, going into the Gonzaga guys, uh, Philip Petrosev and Corey Kispert both uh, declared for the NBA draft. Uh, Petrosev is kind of an interesting decision. I think he's not really an NBA player and could be one of those players that just goes overseas to Europe. Uh, what do you kind of make of him, and do you think uh, Petrosev comes back? Yeah, I think Patricia comes back, because, but I could see him almost like David Moretti. He's like, I don't have much of an NBA future, probably. Let me just move on and start the pro process and hopefully one day play in the NBA. But I think with him, and I think Gisbert is more likely to leave of those two. I think IIE definitely comes back. I think Kispert will likely get drafted if he, answer, if he stays but it'll probably be in the 40s, 50s because he's a shooter and that's pretty much all you're getting out of him. And I think should all three return like I forget, I think they have the team to go undefeated and win national championship. I'm not saying that to be like a hot take. I'm not Skip Bayless trying to just get people riled up. I truly believe that they are a team who can go undefeated and win a national championship. I tweeted yesterday about how Drew Penny might be the most underappreciated player in college basketball. And I truly believe that. I think he could be an All-American with or without Drew Smith coming back. Yeah, I, I'm not going to go him being an All-American if Petrusev comes back, but if Petrusev is gone, Drew Timmy certainly 
will take over that front court and be you know a high level player similar to what Petrusev did this year. Uh, if and you 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 mentioned the uh, all you know going undefeated, you know for live programs if you're saying you know that that uh, loaded roster Villanova they could go undefeated. Uh, realistically, if you're playing in like the Big East or Big Twelve or ACC or something like that, uh, there was talk about Duke going undefeated. I guess two years ago, it it's just not realistic because you have to go through 18 daunting league schedule games, maybe 20 now with some of these leagues. Uh, for Gonzaga, I think it's more realistic because, well, a they're probably the by far and away the most talented team in the WCC. So realistically, you just need to win 19 non-conference games against uh, teams that are not in your conference uh, as opposed to, you know, the regular 31, you know, really good teams. And a lot of the teams, you know, with this season, you might see a situation where they're playing more regional games, uh, you know, they're scheduled, I think, to go, forget where they're scheduled to play, but they might not play, you know, at as tough of a non-conference schedule. They might play more regional games, play like an Eastern Washington, a Washington State, as opposed to as a game against uh, Villanova or someone like that. So you could see a situation where Gonzaga, I think, is realistically, you know, able to go undefeated. Uh, more so than what you would see with other teams. Yeah, and the only two non-conference games I know off the top of my head are home-and-home home return games to Gonzaga this year. They get Washington and Arizona at home. Obviously, those teams aren't as good as they were last year, but that's still a pac opponent, and the decent enough team for it to be a quadrant-two game, maybe. I think that... Well, I, I think they, I think they might be in a C-suite tournament. I'm not positive, but they usually are, and I think they are this year. But going back to WCC, the WCC would have had three days last year. I don't see any way they had more than one this year. The, the WCC is down a lot. I mean, you see teams like San Francisco, they lost Charles Minlin. You see St. Mary's, they lost Jordan Ford in the week six. You see BYU. They lose T.J. Hawes. They lose Dave Toulson. They lose Zach Sellius and other names. Yoli uh, Child. Yoli Child. Yeah, Yoli Child. I knew I was missing somebody. And they had Matt Harnes, but, like, that's not enough to replace these guys. Like, I would put Pepper down the scene, Colby Ross's back, and Loyola Marymount right at the top of that conference. But I think Gonzaga could easily beat every single team in that conference by a good margin. Yeah, I think, you know, be, w- playing at BYU is always tough. Uh, they played at St. Mary's this year, and they won very, very easily. Uh, and yeah, they, like 30. Yeah. And I think at BYU is going to be maybe a tough game just because that's always an interesting situation. Uh, and BYU is, I think, going to be pretty good. But there, there's not really a loaded, you know, slate of games for them to take on so I think there's a realistic chance well one they go undefeated in WCC play and two they can you know we don't know exactly what their non-con schedule will look like but uh, it's certainly I think 
a year in which you're more likely to see an undefeated team, especially a team that, especially early on in the season, is going to be, you know, playing with a lot of guys who have played well together uh, in the past, which oh, I yeah. think is another benefit to them. Yeah, and I, I might be wrong here, but you're the bracketology expert. Gonzaga would have been the number one overall seed had there been a tournament, correct? No, Kansas was by far and away the number Kansas? one, okay. number yeah. two overall seed. Okay, number two overall seed, and even though losing Chile and Philly yeah. is going to hurt a little bit, I think Drew Kennedy steps in his role and plays a much better. Even though Philly's a much better shooter, I mean they're just not losing that much with Philly, Warbridge, and Gilder. I just think they're extremely good team. Yeah. Uh, next. Decision is going to be A.J. Green uh, from Northern Iowa. Uh, he's kind of an interesting decision. Don't think he's an NBA player, but uh, he's on the fence. Uh, do you think he comes back for another season? Yeah, I definitely think he's back, but this is a situation why I wanted to include A.J. Green is because if he returns, that's a team that could be dangerous in the tournament. This season they won 30 games, won a game in Boulder against Colorado, and they have A.J. Green, who I'm not going to say he might be an All-American, but I mean he could be. He had 19 points per game last year, on um, 40% shooting from three, and he was a top 100 prospect at a high school and chose to stay close to home at Northern Iowa. Northern Iowa with A.J. Green and Austin Fife and Trey Burhow all returning, I think they is definitely – have a really good season in the Missouri Valley Conference, and they could have a loyal Chicago type run. Yeah, I, I maybe not going full on the uh, Loyola Chicago Final Four run, but I think Northern Iowa is going to be really good this season. Uh, Loyola Chicago is also going to be pretty good in that league as well. Uh, you could maybe see a situation you get two bid uh, Missouri Valley Conference. Uh, We'll have to see if teams get pick up the necessary wins in non-conference play. But the the Valley's going to be really good this year, uh, and Northern Iowa is a big part of it. Oh, definitely. I'm all in on Northern Iowa. Maybe them going to the Final Four is a stretch, so like a Sweet 16 maybe. I mean, but you never know what could happen when it's March. Things are different. Moving on, the next one is Remy Martin uh, from Arizona State. Uh, do you think he comes back to his school this year? I think he likely does, but the thing that had a lot of Arizona State fans and college shoes fans in general thinking that he might be gone is because when he posted his I'm declaring for the draft message on Instagram, he made it sound like he planned on leaving for good. And he talked about how much he cherished his time at ASU and all that. That's the only reason I think he, think he might leave. But he is not really an NBA player now or next year. So that might be why he could be leaving. But I think he comes back along with Alonzo Verge. Yeah, I think Verge is coming back. But with Remy Martin, he's had a illustrious career at Arizona State. But the thing is, uh, if he comes back this season, he, he has the chance to uh, be not only a legend at Arizona State, but lead them to one of the most successful pro seasons in uh, program history and I think that's something you know you don't realistically you don't leave that uh, too often Uh, now obviously 
we we don't know what he, he's thinking. Uh, maybe he just wants to get his pro career started early. Uh, but if he does come back, uh, you know, Arizona State, I think, becomes the Pac-12 preseason favorite uh, and a team that can, you know, realistically make a run to the Final Four next season uh, if they have a good season. So it'll be interesting to see what he does. But certainly I think he sh- probably should come back and or he could come back uh, and I would lean he, he does it that. He does come back next season. Yeah, definitely. And I'm with you that ASU could be a Final Four caliber team. But the only real concern for me with that team is if Jalen Grant can step in the Romello White shoes of what he's done at ASU and take that and flourish. They also added Chris Austin, Juco transfer, interview up on Making the Madness. Uh, with him, he's a nice guy and he's to read that, but he's a really good defender take pride in his defense like we talked about. And I think as long as Austin and Graham can step up, they could definitely be a Final Four team. Certainly. Uh, moving on, Sadiq Bay from Villanova. Uh, he's an interesting decision. I think he's a projected probably top 20 pick. I would venture he probably stays in the draft. But I guess it's up in the air, so we'll go through it. I think he he stays in the NBA draft, but... If not, maybe Villanova's the team we're talking about being the preseason title favorites. Yeah, I think Sadiq Bay is definitely gone, but he went in his parting message, he did say, I'm keeping my options open. So that could mean something. But Sadiq Bay, you're getting a guy who's six foot eight. He's not overly athletic, but he's a solid defender. And he shot 45% from three and shot a lot of them. And Villanova, I mean... He's just a really good player. I'd have Villanova at number two if he comes back with Jeremiah Robinson Earl coming back, Colin Gillespie, Brian Antoine, and I just think that, and uh, Jermaine Samuel, I think they could be a very good team with or without him, but if he comes back, that team's going to be incredible also. Okay, four more. Andrew Nemhard from Florida. I think he comes back to school just for the purpose he, uh, his draft stock kind of dropped off from the preseason, so maybe he's looking to rebuild that. I think he comes back. Uh, what do you think on his decision? See, this one, I think he should come back, but based on what I've read, I don't think he does come back. It sounds like he just wants to get his pro career going. I think he knows he's not going to get drafted this year and doesn't want to risk starting his draft stock again. But if he were to talk to Scotty Lewis, who probably would have been drafted at some point this season. And I doubt Nemar does get drafted. If he takes Scotty Lewis's advice and comes back, I mean, I think Florida could be a really good team. Although I think everybody had another top 10 team last year and they were pretty bad for being a preseason top 10 team. So, Yeah, I'm certainly not buying into the Florida hype two years in a row. Uh, I'm selling them preseason. Three more, Yeevee's yeah, Ponds just, from Tennessee. Yeah, uh, with Ponds, I think he comes back, but I think he's a guy, if he has good interviews with NBA teams, he could be a first-round pick. I'm not seeing it right now on mock draft, but he's an elite defender who can score if needed, he's super athletic. He's an NBA talented guy for sure, and I think if he's not a first-round pick this year, he will be next year. But I think he comes back, but it's closer than many people think, I feel like. 
Yeah, I'll lean him coming back, but certainly he has a defensive upside. Uh, whenever he does decide to go to the NBA, I think he can be, you know, one of the top defenders in the NBA from a, you know, first day he gets in there, can kind of just play that, you know, can play down low, can, you know, defend in space. He's a really good defender. Uh, it will be interesting to see if he comes back. Two more, we're going with uh, the Isaiahs. Going to start with Isaiah Joe from Arkansas. I think Isaiah Joe comes back. I think he's a draft pick if he does believe. I think he tested the waters after his freshman year, too, and then came back. But I think he comes back for his junior year. He's an elite shooter. But he has other issues in his game that I think he's going to see him work out defensively and scoring outside of the three-point arc. I think with Mason Jones gone, Joe can be the SEC player of the year possibly, averaging 20-plus like Jones did last year. Joe has that kind of talent if he comes back, and I think he does come back. Yeah, I think he'll come back, uh, and if he does come back, he's going to be, I think, put. he'll have the ball put in his hands more and be able to make more plays, which will be, I think, a really good thing for him because right now I think the thing is he's kind of just an off-ball shooter type but we'll see if he can kind of develop and be more of like the go-to player last one isaiah livers from michigan i think livers comes back i'm not sure he's a draft pick if he does stay but he's one guy who if the nba combine were happening i think and it could still happen i guess but unlikely i don't think he's been fully canceled yet but i think he's the guy that could have skyrocketed Yeah, I think uh, with Livers, he's just kind of a perfect four-man at the college basketball level. He can shoot it at an elite level, uh, can make plays, can defend down low. Uh, I think he's, you know, as a prospect being a little bit underrated, and you mentioned uh, with the draft combine, if he could have gone to the draft combine measured in at six foot seven, six foot eight, and you know, made a bunch of shots, I think he could have skyrocketed up draft boards, uh, which is something he won't do uh, unless there is a draft combine, which I think, as you mentioned, is very unlikely at this point. But he's going to be a good player uh, whenever he decides to go to the NBA. Uh, but I think he comes back to Michigan this season. 100%. That will wrap it up for this edition of the Making the Madness podcast. Sean, want to tell the people where they can find you? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at SeanO2MTM. Uh, always talking college basketball. Tweet me your questions and I'll answer all of them. So. Well, follow Sean at Sean02MTM on Twitter. Uh, check out his work. He's been uh, doing really good work at Making the Madness. Uh, Thanks again for coming on the podcast. It was a fun time. And to the listeners, have a good day. Thanks again for coming on. No problem. No problem. Thanks again.